Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, celebrating 11 years broadcasting on the internet. I think we're getting the hang of it now. The show is brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy. He's an author, constitutional scholar, and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll talk about uh, a few more of the Supreme Court decisions made in the last term. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is August the 3rd, and on this day in 1923, Calvin Coolidge was sworn in as the 30th president of the United States, hours after the death of President Warren G. Harding. Born in July 4th, 1872 in Plymouth, Vermont, Coolidge was the son of a village storekeeper. He graduated from Amherst College in Massachusetts and worked his way up in the political ranks. In that state, as a Republican from city councilman in Northampton in 1898 to the governor in 1918, Coolidge made it uh, onto the Republican ticket in 1920 as Harding's running mate, and they won a decisive victory over Democrat pairing of James Cox and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. In 1923, Harding's administration was tainted by the emergence of corruption scandals involving Attorney General Harry M. Daugherty and other high government officials, a group known as the Ohio Gang. A distraught Harding sought refuge from Washington during a summer vacation but died suddenly in San Francisco late on August the 2nd after suffering a heart attack or stroke. Coolidge got the news of Harding's death early in the next morning, and while visiting family in Vermont, he took the oath of office. By the light of a kerosene lamp, his father, a notary public, administered it using the family's Bible. Coolidge immediately began working to rehabilitate the tarnished image of the government's executive branch, projecting an image of old-fashioned New England values and Puritan austerity that assured the troubled public. A man of few words, he was known as Silent Cal, Alan Coolidge became an extremely popular president, winning more than 54% of the popular vote when he was elected in 1924. His time in the White House coincided with an era of unprecedented material prosperity and technological advances, with consumers snapping up widely available new products such as automobiles, radios, and household appliances like vacuum cleaners and washing machines. Strongly conservative, uh, Coolidge believed the government should do little to interfere with business and industry, while uh, whether to check the growing power of big corporations or to aid struggling industries such as agriculture. He supported tax cuts for businesses and high tariffs to protect uh, U.S. goods, but vetoed aid to farmers as well as a plan to produce electric power cheaply on the Tennessee River. Taking office just five years after the First World War ended, Coolidge favored isolationism in foreign policy and opposed American membership in the League of Nations. Though he mostly, uh, certainly would have uh, won re-election in 1928, he decided not to run, retiring from politics just before the stock market disaster of November 1929 and the ensuing Great Depression that crippled the country. He died of a heart attack in January 1933. Silent Cow one of the unheralded but great presidents of the United States, 30th president of the United States. Well, we've got some sketchy uh, election results from yesterday. Of course, the primaries in several states. These are incomplete, but it looks like Trump-backed Kerry Lake defeated establishment-backed Robeson in Arizona for the GOP governor's race. It's not yet called, but she's ahead by about 1,000 votes as of 3.30 uh, this morning. Trump back uh, Blake Masters won Arizona GOP nomination and will f- uh, face Democrat Mark Kelly in November. Also in Arizona, Trump back Mark Fincham has won the GOP nomination for Secretary of State in Arizona. And of course, uh, Trump back Abe Habida won uh, GOP nomination for Attorney General in Arizona. It looks like a Trump backed Air- Eli Crane wins the GOP nomination for Congress in Arizona's uh, second district. In uh, Michigan, uh, Trump-backed uh, John Gibbs. What a rock star he is. Uh, he's really interesting. And he defeated impeachment-backed uh, Peter Mayer. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but M-A-I-J-E-R. Uh, he uh, 
he backed uh, the impeachment of Trump, and uh, it looks like he's not going anywhere fast. It appears voters in Kansas have defeated a ballot measure that would have allowed for further abortion restrictions. In Missouri, Eric Schmidt defeated Eric Greitens. I remember Trump decided, he says, I back Eric. He didn't say which one. Well, it looks like Eric Schmidt uh, wins the day. Trump backed a tutor, Nick Dixon, won the GOP nomination for governor in Michigan, well, for current governor. And then Trump backed Derek Schmidt as won the GOP nomination for governor in Kansas. Other results are pretty sketchy and too uh, early to call at this point. We'll have more further results, but looks like Trump had a, a good day yesterday in the primaries and the candidates that he's backed up to this point. Uh, by the way, of course, uh, Carrie Lake's uh, election, that was a big deal because you may recall that Mike Pence put his weight behind uh, uh, the, uh, about behind, uh, let's see, who was it, Robson, Robson, and uh, put a lot of money into that race, a lot of money, and ended up uh, getting defeated. So sending a message uh, to perhaps the Republican establishment that uh, things are about to evolve, the worm is turning in the Republican Party. There's going to be accountability and change. Well, Major League Baseball lost a titan on Tuesday with the announcement that legendary Dodgers uh, sportscaster Vin Scully died at the age of 94. It seems like he was behind the microphone just yesterday. He was the voice of the Dodgers and so much more. We lived in Southern California for 10 years, and certainly his his voice is still familiar to me and in my mind and my consciousness. He was the conscious, the poet laureate, capturing the beauty and chronicling the, uh, their glory from Jackie Robinson to Sandy Koufax to Kurt Gibbs and to Clayton, Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers said the announcement uh, Tuesday night, Vince Scully was, the, uh, Scully was the heart of the Dodgers in so many ways, and the heartbeat of all of Los Angeles is certainly true. In 1982, he landed a spot in the Baseball Hall of Fame and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016 for his years uh, in sports. Great sportscaster and great guy. Just a, a real humanitarian as well. Well, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released a report uh, yesterday showing that employers eliminated over 600,000 jobs in the month of June. That's pretty good evidence that the country is in a recession no matter how Joe Biden decides to uh, define it. So uh, hopefully we're not going to see layoffs, but those could occur uh, in the coming months. If you're like me, you've wondered where Joe Manchin and why he pivoted on the spending bill. Well, Senator Joe Manchin has secured commitment from President Joe Biden, leader Chuck Schumer, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi to allow the Mountain Valley Pipeline to be completed According to Senator Manchin's office, the commitment from the president, Schumer and Pelosi, will be used to pass legislation for the MVP, that's the Mountain Valley Pipeline, to be completed and streamline the permitting process for all energy infrastructure. This will be used from transmission pipelines and export facilities. Manchin's office says it will be voted on by the end of the fiscal year, which ends September the 30th. It says the MVP is already 94% complete and will unlock 2 billion cubic feet of natural gas per day. Manchin's team says $1.2 billion will be used in additional investment to complete the project. It'll also take an estimated four to five months to complete. Around 2,500 construction-related jobs will be used and $40 million will be seen annually in the new tax revenue for West Virginia and $250 million per year in royalties for West Virginia landowners. The deal comes after Manchin and Schumer reached an agreement on the Inflation Reduction Act, which anything but, clearly a decision made on principle, right? Well, no, I don't think so. The incentives, you know, they basically bought him off, said, we want you to vote for this. He's, he's now claiming there's no gonna, not going to be any new taxes as a result of this. And there's already evidence that taxes will go up as a result of the quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act. Turning our attention to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, she said the congressional delegation's visit to Taiwan stands as an unequivocal statement that America stands with the island of resilience, that being Taiwan. The 82-year-old politician landed in Taiwan yesterday, late yesterday, 
In defiance against China's warnings as well as those of the Biden administration, China's foreign ministry claims Chinese dictator Xi Jinping recently told President Biden those who play with fire will perish by it, adding it hoped that the U.S. will be clear-eyed about this. Biden previously advised against Pelosi's trip, stating that the U.S. military assessed that it was not a good idea right now. The delegation visit is significant as former President House Speaker Newt Gingrich stands as the last official of her level to visit Taiwan, doing so in 1997. Our visit reiterates the uh, America's stand with Taiwan, a robust, vibrant democracy, and our important partner in the Indo-Pacific, she said on Twitter, sharing her op-ed detailing the purpose of the trip. Ultimately, Pelosi added that the visit is part of a broader trip focusing on sharing interests, but she made clear that it also is absolutely symbolic of the U.S. support of Taiwan in the face of threats from the Chinese Communist Party. By traveling to tra- Taiwan, she said, we honor our commitment to m- democracy, reaffirming that the freedoms of Taiwan and all democracies must be respected. In a uh, separate statement, Pelosi said the visit in no way contradicts longstanding U.S. policy guided by the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, so, of course, a lot of mixed messages. You understand if the Chinese were a little bit confused to what the heck's going on here. First, the president tells her not to go. She goes anyhow. Basically, I think this is just to uh, create uh, her legacy. I think that's what she's all about on this trip. And by the way, the People's Republic of China has halted imports from Taiwanese snack and confection manufacturers ahead of her planned visit to the island. China suspended imports from Taiwanese companies producing pastries, baked goods, and sweets in what appears to be a retaliatory policy meant to put pressure on the island. And I'm sure there's going to be other events as well. I don't know if she's left the island or not at this point. If she, There's also the concern about whether she's going to be allowed to leave the island uh, by the Chinese military. We'll stay tuned on that as well. And parenthetically, China's uh, econ- economy is floundering as the second half of 2022 began with slower manufacturing activity, higher unemployment, and a depressed real estate market. China's weakening economy reduced its demand for oil, combining with the downbeat manufacturing data from other countries to bring oil prices down by 4%. Chinese manufacturing activity slowed considerably in July or possibly even contracted after the latest round of coronavirus lockdowns ended in June and produced an exuberant surge in production. The Chinese real estate industry is also in the grip of an unusual mortgage revolt with homeowners refusing to make their payments because they think developers will not finish construction and renovation product projects. So that's a separate story in and of itself. How well is China doing with regard to its economy? Uh, not so well right now. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. They do a great job. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And I hope you'll visit the uh, website and get tickets. Find out more. It's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and author and also chairman of the Cato Institute Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. So, Bob, we've been talking about last term's key Supreme Court uh, cases and the uh, decisions that were made. Uh, let's uh, pick up with the second uh, religious-based or religion-based case involved uh, prayers by the high school coach. Uh, it looked like the coach won. Tell us about the case. This was Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. A high school coach was fired after he uh, conducted post-game prayers at midfield uh, with players and coaches from both teams. Uh, He didn't encourage or invite them to participate. It started out as just a personal thing. But the question was whether impressionable students felt compelled to participate. Uh, The court divided along conservative and liberal grounds. Gorsuch wrote the opinion 6-3 and concluded that the coach is protected by both the free exercise and the free speech clauses of the First Amendment. His private prayer uh, was not pursuant to his official duties as coach and not a government endorsement of religion. And the uh, the court declared that no reasonable person could conclude uh, that the coach was speaking on behalf of the government. Uh, The school's uh, policy was not neutral, and it wasn't generally applicable. It was targeted at religious conduct, and the court said that's not permissible under the First Amendment. I think a correct decision. Yeah, I mean, it uh, certainly uh, speaks out for our liberties and our freedoms. So uh, to, for I personally am very pleased with the result of that uh, decision. Yes, so. yes. So there's another case, though, a religious case, uh, involved a Christian flag flown at a city celebration. Was it allowed? Shirtcliffe versus Boston. Uh, This is whether Boston violated the First Amendment by rejecting a Christian flag at City Hall as part of a city celebration. And Breyer wrote the opinion, 9-zip, and uh, concluded that, yes, uh, this did violate uh, the First Amendment because public forums are open to the public. There were a lot of groups that raised their flags and the city could not discriminate uh, on the basis of the religious group's viewpoint, namely Christianity. So it's interesting to talk about the the framework for these cases mm-hmm. and the general framework for First Amendment uh, speech uh, cases. Speech, you know, can sometimes be restricted as to the time, place, and manner, <clears throat> as long as there are 
ample alternative channels of communication. So the, fir- the First Amendment doesn't require allowing loud rallies in front of a private home at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the courts are very reluctant to approve restrictions, not just on time, place, and manner, but on the content of the speech. For example, a demonstration about Ukraine might be okay, but not about abortion. That would be a content-based restriction, and the court is reluctant to approve those. And the courts will almost never approve what's called a viewpoint restriction. For example, pro-Christian speech is okay, but not pro-Muslim speech. So that's the framework, and I think, again, the court resolved this case correctly. So interesting. Let's change uh, directions a little bit. Let's. Could you review the Remain in Mexico immigration case? Yeah, this was Biden versus Texas. And the question is whether Biden could abandon uh, Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. This is a policy applicable to asylum seekers who come to the U.S. via Mexico, but they are then told to return there and wait there while their cases for asylum are pending. And the lower court said that Biden didn't provide an adequate reason uh, or follow the Administrative Procedures Act. Um, But the Supreme Court, and this is interesting because it was a mixed bag with Roberts writing the opinion, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and the three liberals, again, suggesting that the court's not always divided along political lines. Mm -hmm. The court said 5-4 Biden can end what technically is called the Migration Protection Protocol, but basically it's remain in Mexico. Section uh, of the Immigration and Nationality Act says that government may release asylum seekers on parole or detain them or return them to a contiguous territory. And now the detention facilities at the border aren't adequate to keep all these folks. So President Trump prescribed this return to Mexico policy, Mm -hmm. and he was upheld by the lower courts. But the current Supreme Court ruled against him and said that the word may in the statute suggests that the Department of Homeland Security still has discretion, even if detention facilities are not workable. So Biden was allowed to choose another option. Now, here are the options that are available, and it's why we have a problem at the border. Mm -hmm. First, he could release all these asylum seekers, and of course that puts potentially illegal aliens in the country, and they may not return for their hearing. Second, he can detain them, but as I mentioned, there are no facilities available for that. And third, he can invoke what's called Title 42. This is the emergency power to reject asylum seekers, and that remains in effect. A federal judge this May preliminarily enjoined the Biden administration who wanted to abandon Title 42 Mm. and reopen the borders. 24 states complained about the cost of illegal immigration and the potential spread of COVID. The court agreed with the 24 states, and Biden was not permitted to abandon Title 42. The interesting little secret is that then that Democrats were secretly pleased with that decision, even though they said they objected to it. Because if Title 42 were abandoned, we would have a flood, even more than we have now, of immigrants at the southern border. So interesting, by the way. It just it seems so unlawful that the uh, current administration is allowing all these people to come across the border without getting uh, checks on their health or anything like that. And uh, just amazing somehow that the uh, courts can't step in and stop. But apparently, though, the, uh, uh, they say they're complying with the law. What, what are your thoughts? The, the long-term solution to this is, is twofold. First, we need many, many more um, resources poured into processing Uh, these immigrants. We don't have enough judges. We don't have enough courts. We don't have enough detention facilities, enough administrative procedures. And secondly, we got to attack the problem at its root, which is uh, the the triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, where drugs and gang-related violence are driving people to the United States, some of whom 
uh, would be nice to have as immigrants, and some of whom would not be. Right. So if we had a rational immigration policy tried tied to our work needs, and we have adequate administrative sources to handle the processing, I think we'd be in good shape. But of course, that's been highly politicized, not likely to happen anytime soon. So we have a problem. And right now, nobody knows the solution. Bob, there's so much more to talk about. I guess we'll pick this up next week. We're going to talk a little bit about abortion law. Uh, Bob Levy, again, chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So usually we start off with some Good news that you found uh, scouring <laughs> the news. Any good news today? Well, there uh, there is good news. Obviously, I think that uh, it can be at least presented as good news, Bob. I'm going to do that and temper it a little bit with some of the uh, perhaps the the negatives associated with that good news. Let me just start out with one other story. It more is a, a personal story. Uh, uh, Vince Scully died yesterday. Now, for many of your listeners, that may not matter, but uh, uh, he started broadcasting for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1950. Now, as a New Yorker, I came out of the the prime part of baseball, as, as far as I was concerned, New York in the early 50s. And Vince Scully from 1950 and then over to Los Angeles uh, was the was the voice of the Brooklyn and then the Los Angeles Dodgers and a fine a fine man uh, in, in his in his real life. So I just wanted to, to at least mention that before before we move on. Well, you know, uh, also, I lived in Southern California for 10 years. We lived there and, and uh, the voice of Vince Scully still rings in my ear. What a great broadcaster he was. And he broadcast for 67 years of uh, the Dodgers, both in Brooklyn and Los Angeles. So just amazing. Uh, he made, he was a great contributor. He was a plus, not a minus to a society. I mean, really an amazing man. I remember as a, as a, 
a kid, a Yankee fan, and when the Dodgers won their first pennant in 1955, Vince Scully almost couldn't control himself. He was so just <laughs> overwhelmed with the fact that the Dodgers won the World Series in 55. So, you know, these are memories that I have as a kid, and they they tend to be more uh, more significant in many ways than the, the later memories of our life. So uh, Vince Scully is just, just a man that I, I hate to see move on, but, uh, you know, as we as with all of us, he, he did. But, uh, you know, I, I know you had association with him from your uh, world in Southern California and so forth, Bob. So yeah, I think he's worth worth mentioning as a, as a decent human being. Yeah, absolutely. Died at age 94. He was, he was a good man indeed. Yeah, but there is uh, there is good news. I'm going to start out with the, the, the good news again, tempered, of course. Uh, but uh, we're not in a recession. I think that's good news. Um, <laughs> I think that is good news. Now, the, the tempered part of that is we have a contracting D, a GDP. We've had two consecutive quarters of a declining GDP. We've got 9.1% inflation. We've got declining real wages. And uh, again, I think we're far closer to a depression than we are to not being in a recession. So maybe Biden is right. Maybe we're not in a recession. Maybe maybe what he's hinting at is we're in a depression, Bob. Yeah, my goodness. You know, it's this is beginning to look like Animal Farm. Up is down, down is up. I mean, just changing the definition of everything and trying to make it a, conform to his view of the world. And it's, you know what, it's not working. We're laughing at him for crying out loud. That's amazing. And of course, all animals are equal, especially the pigs. <laughs> So, which particularly pertains to Animal Home, of course, but uh, to America specifically at this point in time. But, you know, the, the, the issue of recession is, is, is a word. Uh, is it an important word? I think it is an important word because it provokes or should provoke uh, governmental action uh, that would uh, aid in that process or help uh, alleviate that process. Uh, to ignore it, to suggest that somehow uh, this is a, uh, a a transitional phase of of repositioning economically, uh, I think uh, is is a dangerous thing to do. And uh, so, but but again, uh, any time a, a Democrat is up for office or uh, there's a Democrat in the in the White House, uh, the recession is defined entirely differently, Bob, mm -hmm. than if there was a Republican in the White House right now. Absolutely. So, uh, any thoughts about Nancy's trip to uh, Taiwan? Yeah, I've got a few other pieces of good news, but let, let me talk about Taiwan while while you brought it up, Bob. Um, first of all, I, I think it was a, a courageous act. I'm not a big Nancy Pelosi fan, but I think it was a courageous act. She did, uh, with the opposition of the White House and of the military, of the, uh, the Defense Department, uh, and yet she went. Um, at this point in my life as a political observer, I... I, I must always consider what is the the unspoken or the unrevealed reality of these of these circumstances, and I'm not quite sure what this uh, what this trip of Pelosi is all about. Uh, the the trip was announced uh, by Biden, re revealed I would say rather than announced by Biden. Uh, it seems to me that there was a, an intentional process of some sort uh, to in fact uh, create a, a imagery that the administration was at least standing up to China, while by every other measurement, it was a toady to China. So I, I, I certainly can't document this, uh, but again, I'm always, and I think any wise observer is always looking for the, the unspoken reality of what's, of what's going on. Mm. If we look at Taiwan, Bob, I think we have to understand it's not just a small island country off the coast of China. Taiwan is the uh, is the Republic of China. It claims that it is the legitimate government of China. It stands uh, not just as a country that uh, that exists uh, it, it, offshore. It stands as the total opposition uh, to the existing government of the People's Republic of China. Uh, so it, I think we have to understand in America that this is a, uh, in some ways, Bob, a, a variation of a standing civil war, the war between the People's Republic of China, uh, the mainland and the Republic of China in Taiwan. Uh, so, again, it, it has to be understood with, within that context. Mm -hmm. Now, how would a war go? Every war game has been played uh, as it pertains to war with China and the South China Sea area shows that the United States would lose. Now, again, war games are war games. They're not reality. And I'm not predicting that. 
and I'm not negative on this. Uh, but again, all of the uh, initial assessments or the existing assessments of that war potential shows the United States coming out uh, on the short end of that process, uh, primarily because of the uh, the geographic proximity of of the People's Republic of China to that con- that battlefield confrontational area, uh, and again the the uh, the hypersonic weapons, their ability to uh, to field an incredibly large. Um, uh, fighter jet air force uh it just it's a very dangerous situation i don't know why they're rolling the dice on this at this point right um china has positioned themselves at this point uh, to have to react in some way they said there would be military overtures of some sort bob they haven't defined what those are those may just be positioning of ships or positioning of troops we we don't know uh, but again, a war in the uh, with China, war in that area with China, uh, is not something that should be taken lightly, or with the absolute belief that the United States would prevail. Bob, has the Nancy Pelosi left Taiwan yet? Yes, she just left. Uh, I'm not sure by their time, but uh, this this morning or this or last evening. Okay, so uh, the, so there's been no repercussions. On they did uh, uh, start putting tariffs and uh, on. Uh, uh, confections and so forth so there have been some repercussions financially and economically but nothing so far in terms of uh the war but you know what uh they have some time they'll probably think about it decide what they want to do about it uh you know this one in my opinion this was not a risk worth taking there's <laughs> a little i, I t- totally agree with that and by the way uh, taiwan is not some some weak sister sitting there in the south china sea taiwan has the largest uh, stand or re- reserve army in the world bob i mean it's a it has a major uh, reserve army uh its military equipment is uh is, is significant i'm not going to say it's uh, powerful enough to defeat China, but it's not just some weak sister sitting there without the ability to defend itself. Right. Uh, they could also make challenges to Beijing uh, by threatening things like EMPs and a variety of other. I'm not suggesting that that is something they would do. But again, I think if, if uh, Taiwan uh, made it clear to China that an attack on Taiwan would result in comparable significant attacks on the mainland, I, I think we can reach a, a possibility of a uh, a deterrence uh, on that basis, and perhaps even a diplomatic solution can be uh, can be had if Taiwan, getting back to my original point, changed its name to the Republic of Taiwan rather than being the Republic of China. Uh, I think that that would, in fact, uh, take take away that 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 issue which I uh, uh, alluded to before, which is that uh, Taiwan stands in their minds, as the legitimate government of China, Bob. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Andy, I want to take a little break at this point. Can can you stick around? Nothing better to do, Bob. All right. We're going to have more on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence 
serving kindergartens through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. I I cut you off before you you said you had some more good news for us. Uh, Yeah, I do want to get to the Build Back Better uh, light bill, uh, Manchin and, and Schumer. Uh, but in the Michigan's third congressional uh, district was won by John Gibbs over uh, Peter Major. Uh, and again, the importance of that is Major was an impeachment vote against Trump. Right. There are two other seats on the West Coast that are still up and they're very close. Uh, also, of, of, of incumbent congressmen who also voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump. So we have to take a look and see how that plays out. Um, I use these things to try to assess the um, the strength of Donald Trump. And uh, I just read uh, yesterday that The Hill is saying that the best Democrat with the chance of beating Donald Trump is AOC, Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> if that is true, if that is true, uh, that is an amazing statement to make, that your best candidate against one of the strongest presidents in American history is a, a rather radicalized and eccentric uh, 29-year-old congresswoman, Bob. So uh, just I want to underscore what you just said, because I think what we're seeing right now is an informal battle between the Republican establishment and the Make America Great Again uh, supporters, those people who support Donald Trump, because they see him as the hope for gaining our government back, gaining back our country, and uh, uh, taking it away from the uh, political elite. And uh, while this informal battle is going on, I think right now it's showing that uh, Trump is a clear leader. I think we're expanding the MAGA group and perhaps uh, expunging the uh, establishment group from the Republican Party. Yeah, I think that is happening, and I think it's an important thing to have happen. Just for your listeners in terms of uh, who I am, uh, I don't support Donald Trump because of his personality. I don't support him because somehow this is a cult. I support Donald Trump for one simple reason. He has supported America. Mm-hmm. That's very simple for me, Bob. It's not a it's not a complicated issue as to why I uh, I I. Uh, I advocate for uh, Trump to be the president again in 2025. So, uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, what we're seeing now is a hopeful cleansing of the Republican Party, not just of anti-Trump people. That makes it sound like it's a a variation of a cult of personality. This is the rejection from the Republican Party of those who have not accepted uh, the the, uh, the appropriate mechanisms uh, to restore America to its former greatness. And that is exactly what Trump represented, Bob. Absolutely. It's it's, It's getting rid of the uh, uniparty, you know, the Republicans have kind of been uh, Democrat light up until this point. Well, we need to gain the country back. And uh, he's certainly leading us in that direction. So I, I totally agree with your comments about that. Well, let's <clears throat> let's hope. I don't know when he's going to announce the RNC has said that they would withdraw all the uh, legal support, the funding support uh, for Trump if he was to announce his candidacy right now. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a mandatory position of the RNC or not. Uh, but again, if it's not mandatory and they made that statement again, I think that emphasizes reemphasizes what you said is the Republican establishment trying to weaken Trump uh, as much as they can. Bob. Absolutely. So uh, any any thoughts about what's happening in Ukraine? Well, yes. I mean, it's just a, again, as I mentioned off off uh, off air. It becomes a redundancy, but I think we have to really look at the nature of of what has provoked this problem. And this is not excuse Russia's actions in the invasion or some of the 
what seems to be atrocities. Of course, any country that goes into another country will be uh, will be committing atrocities. For example, if Ukraine had invaded Russia, there would be comparable atrocities. That's just the, the nature of the war beast when it comes to an invading army. But if we look at the incredible uh, history of Russia and their mindset as it pertains uh, to the invading armies that come across the, the lowland areas of, of Eastern Europe, and they're concerned about that, legitimately so. They they watch Napoleon come through. They watch the Hitler come through. So there, there's a concern with that low lowland attack area uh, that comes out of Eastern Europe. And again, there is a, a absolute uh, proof uh, that we, in fact, I don't know if we can say it's proof positive that they intentionally that we intentionally provoke Russia. But I think the case can be made that our that our insistence at that moment in time when it happened uh, that NATO that uh, Ukraine joined NATO was obviously going to, in fact, provoke Russia uh, to launch that invasion if they had ever given it second thoughts. So I think these, these both of these situations are and should be of concern to all Americans, regardless of how they feel about the Ukraine issue mm-hmm. or the Taiwanese issue. But when you are on the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the precipice of potential war with any major nuclear power, this has to be given a concern. My my problem at this point, Bob, is some of the rhetoric coming out of this country, particularly by war hawks, that make all of this sound like it would be a, a piece of cake uh, for the United States if, if, if war broke out is very dangerous rhetoric. It would not be that. It would be an incredibly uh, uh, destructive process for Europe and for the United States itself, Bob. So I, I just wish there was more caution. Uh, I'm not saying that we should not challenge Russia or challenge China. But on the other hand, the, the rhetoric has been so uh, blasé in terms of its uh, lack of seeming uh, understanding right. of the depth of the problem that that, that really concerns me, Bob. Uh, absolutely. And plus, the, the word is that uh, right now, uh, Biden is becoming uh, frustrated with uh, Zelensky. And apparently Zelensky has now cleaned out his government a little bit. In other, in other words, I think there's evidence now that there's corruption going on within the Zelensky regime in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, it doesn't just because the, uh, by, uh, Putin is backing is uh, behaving badly doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Zelensky is a good guy. I have real concerns about uh, Zelensky. Well, that, that's right, Bob. Sometimes there's not, there isn't a good guy among the two. And this is probably one of those uh, situations yeah. uh, for anyone to believe that one of the most corrupt governments in the world, that's the government, uh, Zelensky's government in Ukraine, suddenly became uh, a straight shooter at this point is just absurd. This is a, a corrupt government run by oligarchs. Uh, the money we're pouring in there, I mean, really, there is no significant tracking of where these monies go or the materials go. So this is a, this is a situation that um, uh, I don't think we're handling well. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we should do. I don't think anybody can uh, legitimately uh, define exactly the appropriate action for the United States. But I think we should be more concerned with the government of Ukraine, Zelensky's positioning, the lack of diplomatic intent by Ukraine. Uh, and I think that uh, I think Russia right now would probably resolve this thing with the ceding of the of the eastern provinces uh, to Russia itself, or at least declaring them independent, if not ceding them directly to Russia, Bob. Well, thank you for that, Andy. Andy, want to take a little break again? I want to talk to you about the Schumer bill, about the uh, what's happened with the Joe Manchin. Can you stick around? I want to do that, and then, as I mentioned to you, I want to talk about the uh, the flat tax. All right, you're on hold. Thank you so much, Andy. We're going to have more here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. The website is thefga.org. We have with us uh, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So any final comments at all about Ukraine or uh, shall we just move in? No, no. I mean, just most of it is, is fairly well known by the by the public. I, I, I just want to reemphasize the, uh, the the issue, the issue, I believe. And no matter how much we try to uh, make it not the issue, I think Putin uh, is legitimately let me say legitimately means in his mind, of course, legitimately concerned with with NATO uh, uh, having a contiguous border with uh, with with Russia. Uh, and I think that's a concern that I would also say is legitimate. Uh, and again, uh, when we're looking at the history of Russia, I think it has to be understood uh, that Russia fears uh, fears the Western invasion coming through the lowland area of Eastern Europe. That's redundancy, but I think your audience should get to a map and look at this uh, extended area mm-hmm. uh, of, of battlefield potential that exists in Western Russia and Eastern Europe. Uh, before I move on, let me just talk a little bit about, uh, mention the... I. I been thinking most of Biden's administration is nothing good I can say about what Biden has done. Right. Uh, recently, he started to rebuild the wall, and that, that seems to be a positive. And in, in itself, out of context, it, it is a positive, the re- starting of the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, on the other hand, it seems to be directly associated with the supporting of the candidacy of Mark Kelly and, uh, for the Arizona uh, election. Uh, coming up. And uh, I think that is what that's about. So uh, he did not act in the best interests of America. They had originally described this wall and his administration uh, as being immoral and uh, illegitimate, illegal. Uh, And now they're going to do it. Why? Not for the not for the well-being of America, uh, but for the well-being of the political interests of a Democrat candidate. In in my estimation, that's not a documented position, but it it certainly seems to be the case. And also, let me just talk a little bit about the, the killing of uh, uh, Al Zawahiri in in Kabul. Um, when we left Afghanistan and we knew the the chaos that was left behind, our military equipment that was left behind, uh, but uh, the Biden administration made several strong strong comments indicating that Al Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan. There was no more remnant even uh, of Al Qaeda. Now we find the the current leader of Al Qaeda, uh, Al Zawahiri who is living in a uh, luxury uh, apartment, uh, a safe house, of course, uh, in Kabul itself. Uh, And there he's taken out by some incredible action of our uh, of our intelligence agencies where they uh, lob in a couple of hellfire missiles. They uh, they they kill him, apparently, with no collateral damage. We have to confirm that yet, but no collateral damage. And they do not even seriously damage the building. It's hard to imagine an intelligence operation with hellfire missiles hitting a specific single target and with no collateral damage and no physical damage associated with it. And that's 
that's good news. Yeah. Uh, Al Zawahiri getting taken out is good news. On the other hand, can we presume that uh, he is the entirety of Al Qaeda or it's a small force? No, I can't. We we can't presume that. Al Zawahiri must have felt a strong degree of confidence that he could establish safely a safe house for himself in Kabul because there, I believe, there was a significant Al Qaeda presence in Afghanistan at the point we left, and I think that's getting stronger. I would say it is getting back to resemble the situation pre-9-11 in terms right. of the cooperative effort between the Taliban and al-Qaeda just prior to uh, Osama bin Laden's attack uh, on the World Trade Centers, Bob. Absolutely. And uh, how many people, how many Americans are still stranded in Afghanistan? We, we don't know the number even, Bob. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, by the way, the administration is saying those are people that want to stay there. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, what a complete miserable failure and what a laughingstock uh, he made of, of the United States uh, in his decision and how he handled the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's just back up a second. I mean, my goodness, uh, we've all heard Nancy Pelosi speaking over the last year or so. We, we know she's not up to the task. We we send in Kamala Harris as our uh, as our representative for the for the for the Ukraine issue. We send in Nancy Pelosi as our representative, and these are not stupid people, Bob. I mean, the uh, uh, no one in Europe uh, dealing with Ukraine is stupid. Uh, the certainly the Taiwanese are, are not stupid, and so when we're sending over representatives of this type, uh, it has to. Uh, uh, reflect badly on this country. And uh, it's it's amazing that this is the best that our diplomatic offices can offer, uh, Kamala Harris and, and, and Nancy Pelosi, Bob. No question about it. So, hey, well, uh, we don't have much time, but I do want to, you, you had mentioned the flat tax, and I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, let me just get to it as much as I can uh, this week and maybe some next week if, uh, if we can't get enough done. Uh, back in 2008, um, when uh, Giuliani announced his uh, his candidacy and made his first public appearance for the presidency in here in Florida, up in Lee County, uh, I went to that presentation. Uh, obviously, it was not going to work. I started a Rudy chant. Nobody picked up on it. I knew at that point. But the point I'm making is I had spent about 10 minutes, 15 minutes talking to Steve Forbes about the flat tax. And I had been a long advocate of the of the flat tax. I think it does away with the 60 yards of regulation for the for the IRS. And uh, in keeping with that, the the Build Back Better light bill uh, is going to add another 82,000 uh, IRS representatives, bringing uh, their total force of IRS agents up to 163,000 IRS agents. And this is one of the most heavily armed and equipped, militarily equipped units in the in the entire uh, federal bureaucracy. So 163,000 federal, uh, federally armed uh, IRS agents is a concern for me. But let me just get to the flat tax quickly with the few moments we have. No, we don't have enough time, Bob. <laughs> let me just <laughs> let me just say that uh, I, I support the flat tax. Um, I think the one thing that I'll build in next week when I give you some real numbers on this that's left out by most people's um, uh, tr uh, configurations of this is a tunneling out of income at the beginning of the income area. So, for example, without knowing this is the right number, if they tunneled out the first 40,000, the first 40,000, uh, then essentially the, the lower income people would not pay anything up to 40,000. Uh, it would, in fact, up to the area, for example, if I, let me give you some numbers. Uh, if I were to talk about uh, at 100,000, they would pay $7,500, which is five times more than somebody making 50,000. Mm -hmm. At the level of 200,000, they would pay 22,500, which is three times more. Uh, of the than the people making a hundred thousand. The point I'm making is by tunneling out that first forty or fifty thousand, whatever the right number is, Bob, you can in fact create a legitimate progressive tax uh, without the the sixty yards of tax regulations, the manipulation of the American people with uh, with tax changes and American corporations and business in general uh, by by tax changes. Uh, all of that manipulation, all of that control would be gone. And the 163,000 agents uh, for the IRS could probably be cut down to 5,000. Uh, and, you know, we know that well, my my opinion is 
those agents are going to be weaponized to take on uh, political uh, opponents of this administration. So, uh, uh, you well, know, there's a remark that Obama made back during his administration where he said he was going to create a civilian force uh, armed and uh, armed and capable as the American army. Uh, and so if we look at this, is this what we're seeing here with 163,000 agents? And who are they going to really be investigating? There's only a thousand billionaires in this country. Exactly. So who are they going after? Exactly. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. It presumes with that number of agents that all of us, Bob, are crooks. That's what it presumes. <laughs> Andy, Jeff, again, usually we've, we've run out of time before we've run out of things to talk about. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow. Uh, I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, tell your friends about the show if you enjoy it. Uh, we do some preparation and uh, want to make it a, be- a great listening experience for you So, and patronize our advertisers as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>